Hi, it's Jared from Celtic Down Under with another Spotlight Series episode. I'm joined by Damien from the Facebook and Instagram group Celtic First Celtic. How are you, mate? I'm good, mate. And you? Yeah, brilliant. So, how's your page and Instagram going? Your Facebook page and Instagram is it? Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about how you set that up? Why the reason behind all that? What sort of stuff you're posting on there, and anything else about that? And then we'll just see where the conversation takes us. Um, so I started a page um, over two years ago that was called Celtic First and Celtic Overall on uh, Instagram, and it uh, it got up to like nearly five thousand followers, and I had a lot of uh, likes from the likes of Henrik Larsson, Georgie Cadetti, um, Paolo Icanio on an account. I had done likes, my account got hacked, and I lost my account to Instagram. Everything gone, completely to poop. Um, so I had to reform and think about starting another uh, Instagram. My Instagram of Celtic is um, not for the average Joe Soap Celtic fan. It's very, um, it's very pro ultra, pro casual, um, and pro Irish Republican and pro Palestinian and anti-fascist. So it's not, it's not gar guaranteed that like your average Celtic fan is going to want to look at my page and it's an anti-hun zone as well and I don't really care I'm fully like uncensored I don't give a shit I've been banned from Facebook multiple times constantly so getting to the uh, Facebook page and my Instagram page my Instagram page that I've started back up again I started it last year um, it was in the treble treble season um, and I started it around March. And from March to the treble treble, um, I got up to maybe, I don't know, like maybe 300, 400 followers. And then I kind of fell off it. Um, then I went to the Vegas convention and I talked to a couple of other Celtic pages and I got back into it. Um, currently I stand at 1500 followers on, um, Instagram, um, I've got a uh, few like musicians, uh, the lead singer from Dropkick Murphy's, Ken Casey follows me, he just started following me the other day, which I was in awe with, um, huge fan of the Dropkick Murphy's, um, the, the Mahones, another punk band, Celtic punk band follow me, and the lead singer from them follows us, uh, Cena Tell, the, the famous Cena Tell that everyone knows about from like, Ireland, and she's German, but she's a country singer. She follows the page. Um, so currently what I sit at is 1,500 on um, Instagram, and I think I'm up in the grounds of like around 600 and something, Jared, um, since we started getting in touch and talking. That's good good and growth. That's what we like to hear. So... With your page, do you want to tell us any stories or anything that you've had in the past where it's been that you've had like feedback from anyone famous or any you've had any real bad repercussions on because of the amount of comments and stuff or just any stories that you've got based on any previous posts you've done? Um, on my my first my first page that um way before it got hacked the Celtic first Celtic overall after the famous Charlie and the Boys song 
A um, couple of uh, Rangers posts. I had debt threats. Um, being threatened to be killed by the UDA, the LVF. Uh, all that good stuff. All the Jaffa cakes were coming out, and you know the keyboard warriors and a couple of threats. Um, and highlights of the first page was probably Henrik Larson liked probably over fifteen of my posts on my first page. The actual real Henrik Larson, as his Instagram page goes, um, he the first page that he actually post that he actually liked was a tribute to Lee Miller, who we sadly lost um, to cancer, the former Celtic player from Cork. Um, he liked that post, and um, then he started following, like he started following the page, like not like officially following it, but he started like liking a lot of posts. And Henrik Larson is a hero of mine, and he was of my dad's as well, rest his soul. Because um, I grew up in the jungle and the time of like the good, the good old days and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I've had multiple debt threats um, from. Loyalist organizations, uh, rangers, fans, it's just keyboard warriors, you know. Anyone can say they are someone. It doesn't bother me. I don't give a fuck. The hun's a hun. I don't care. <laughs> Agreed, mate. Yeah, it uh, sounds full on. So, yeah, we knew about Liam Miller because he played down here in Australia for a few of the clubs in the A-League. So, yeah, when that happened, it was sad news. So, uh, yeah, condolences to him. But, uh, yeah, it's... um. Interesting that some of the some of the people that you've had on your page, liking your page, commenting on your page, that sort of stuff over the over the years. So that's good stuff. Yeah, it's it, it's it's always it's amazing when you know like you finish up a day of work and next thing you see someone like someone that you were in awe, like you either watched in a movie or you know you admire uh, as a football player, like to like some of your posts, to take time out of their time to look at your content, it, you know, it, it hits close to the heart and, you know, it, it, it's class. It's like, like today I, I sent you those uh, likes from uh, Tommy Flanagan, the famous Chibs from Sons of Anarchy and Braveheart and Peaky Blinders and stuff like that. You know, stuff like that touches close to your heart. Like they don't have to follow the page, but even just liking a post, you know, they've taken time out of their day, like to just, you know, look at your content and, you know, it's different than someone else's, and they've actually liked it. it means yeah. a lot. It's the acknowledgement of it, whether you get it and go, oh, okay, this person who could have been doing so many other things actually likes what I'm doing, so that's great. It's um, it's always good when you get that. It's a bit of a pat on the back sort of feel. So it was like us. We had um, Rab Douglas like our um, our page a while back and then like, liked a few posts and stuff like that, and we were like, holy shit, is the guy I grew up watching in goals. So, yeah, it's... Uh, Good fun when that happens. It's not yeah, so, it feels. Nice it, 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 it is a nice little buzz. It's like it's like someone just paid your bar bill and you're just like, ah, yeah, I don't have to pay for that shit. It's like I spent. They spent two seconds of their day hitting like, and it's like, hey, that made it worthwhile. It's great. It's uh, shows that you're doing the right sort of things. So with um. We'll go on to the little personal side with yeah, with you. How did you get into following Celtic? I followed Celtic since I came out of the womb. My my, my dad was a Celtic fan all his life. Um, and then my, my other two brothers, they kind of went on the side of like different clubs. 
in between. But in our family, it, it was always Celtic, and it, it's always been like there for me. Like growing up, like watching the likes of Paul McStay, like Tommy Boyd, uh, Burns, just like players like Tommy Burns, like wow, Mister Celtic. Watching him like from the jungle and stuff like that, just bleed green and white. Um, Celtic is a club like no other, like the saying goes. It's a family like no other. Like there, there isn't there isn't a club, there isn't a football club in the world that's like Celtic or has the fans that Celtic have. We're like a huge family. Sometimes we can be a dysfunctional family, but we police ourselves. Yeah, it's not a. Home and away. It's not just the saying. They like you said, a club like no other. A lot of clubs put out bullshit spiels like that. To me, it's like it's definitely not just a saying. It's a feeling. It's a vibe. It's the actual, as you said, a family. It's like, it doesn't matter where you're located in the world. We've all got this thing in common. Something that means a lot to us. And it's just, yeah, it's great when you you can talk to people and like. Me, I'm in Melbourne, Australia. You're over in the USA. I was talking to someone in Canada earlier about Celtic today. So it's like, it's just great the the scope of the club. Yeah, no other club, no other club can can touch down like um, Celtic has worldwide. Excuse me. Um, I live in San Diego, and before I lived in San Diego, I lived in Michigan, but I always followed Celtic. I used to actually go. To um, when I lived in Michigan, I used to actually go across the border to Windsor, and they used to have a supporters club, and I used to go watch the games there at a bar there, and it's the camaraderie of like boys and girls just meeting up and having a banter, having a few pints, having a bit of breakfast, you know, having a crack, few fucking red tunes on, you know, all that. That's what Celtic's all about, and at the same time, people are always worried about you when you're around the world. They're like asking you like every day, hey, how's your day going? What's the crack? You know, you might be talking something, but at the same time, you're talking like a family. Like, I'll be totally honest. I'm closer to most of my Celtic family than I am to my blood-related family. And that's the honest truth from the bottom of my heart. They're all saying you can't pick your family, your blood, but you can pick your family sort of thing. That's... What that is at the end yeah. of the day, it's a choice. But yeah, it's um, it's funny that like yeah, I talk to the guys I do the Saudi Down Under podcast over here with. I speak to these guys pretty much on a daily basis. I speak to them more than I speak to my own brothers as well. So yeah, I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like the and it was so cool when when um when you approached me about it. Like I listened to your podcast. I found your podcast on Spotify after it was recommended after I was listening to the North Curve Celtic podcast it came up on my Spotify, you know, you might like this. And I was like, Celtic down under, what's this pitch? I was like, is this gonna be a load of bollocks? I don't really want to stick this shite in the ears for fucking half an hour. <laughs> uh, uh, I gave you guys a listen and I and I, and I liked it. And I, I've continued to to stay listening to the other podcasts. Like uh, like I told you today, um, when we got in touch with each other, that I was listening to that Celtic uh, "You'll Never Walk Alone" like that podcast, and it was very interesting because I know it's Celtic uh, "You Never Walk Alone" uh, page from Instagram, and 
page is amazing. Uh, so it is. And the work that he does is just amazing as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's good though, because like, as you said, it's like, yeah, what's this? We always joke on our podcast, uh, send us whatever, give us some feedback, whether it's good, bad, death threats, tell us we're shit cunts, whatever, we don't care. Just like, send us some feedback so we know if we need to change anything. <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly I get this feedback from, hey, this was really good. And then to just hear what you're saying, like, oh, what's this pish? I don't want to listen to this. I don't want that crap. And I'm like, yes, that's what exactly what we joke about. It's just spot on. But that's the way I look at it, Jared. Like, I've listened to... Like, I'll be totally fucking honest. Have you ever seen... Have you ever seen Hun TV? Have you ever seen the guy that does the Hun TV podcast and the fucking TV show? Like, we Billy Mac fucking fucknuts, whatever the fuck he's called. Well, it's Shade the Bristol Bar. Here I am with the skaghead. I'm like... <laughs> I'll how can you even listen to these fucks? Yeah, I've watched that and I just like sit there shaking my head and I was going, what the fuck is this? <laughs> uh, the good old hand bashing, we love it. Oh, I, I adore it. Like, when I listened to the uh, Salt Lake uh, You Never Walk Alone podcast, I was kind of like, that's why I messaged you. I was like, hey, you going to be there? I'm more like fucking Howard Stern on fucking cocaine. Like, I'm not like... Hey, I'm off the fucking hinges. Old travel. Uh, it's good though. So um, yeah, well um, yeah, it's good. I enjoying it. So that's the main thing. And yeah, like your page when I look at that, I'm like, fucking hell, look at this picture. How good is that? Bang, like whatever. So like we try to um, the way I look at it, the majority of Celtic fans tend to have, as you said, have the same sort of political views. So it's one of those things where, as you said, we're all a family. We're all get along that way but yeah i just think it's some of the stuff you're doing yourself like you're talking about the celtic you never walk alone page and the stuff they do well what's on i'm seeing on your page with the pictures and some of the posts just as good mate so keep it up yeah i really appreciate it like some people don't like it you know but i don't give a fuck what some people don't like <laughs> i didn't ask you to tune in if you don't like it turn the fucking tail get fucked like I'm the, told people. It's the old saying, mate. Opinions like assholes. Everyone's got one. Doesn't exactly. doesn't mean you're right. So, like, <laughs> I could be sitting here talking about a player, and I think, oh yeah, they're playing well, and you could be sitting over there going, "What the fuck is Jared talking about? This guy's got no idea." So, it's one of those strange things. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Just don't try and tell me that your opinion's more valid than mine, or vice versa, and we're all good. Oh yeah, like I, I could tell, I could tell you like where um, people have sent me messages and said, "Hey, you can't post that um, because the Green Brigade are going to come at you about that." And I was like, "Who the fuck are you? You're not even a member of the Green Brigade. Shut the fuck up." I was like, "If you want a video chat with me, mate, come on, video chat right now." He's like, "Oh, I, yeah, but like I know the Green. I don't give a fuck, mate. I know them too." And they they like what I do, and I've got full backing for what what I do. I, I fucking support the Green Brigade. I am pro ultra. I am pro casual. Like I have people constantly saying to me, Jared, oh you can't post that, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. And then when I call them out on their bullshit, they don't want to come at me. It's uh, keyboard warriors, as you said earlier. Well, yeah. Pretty much. So, what's one of your 
most memorable games? You would have been to a few games over the years at, at Celtic Park, at wherever. Do you want to tell us a few stories about some of your most memorable games you've been to and what happened to make them memorable? The, the 6-2 Massacre. Um, probably one of the most memorable games ever. The Henrik Larson chip. I think I think every South Lake fan worldwide can relive that, like in their head. Um, the atmosphere is back in the day, like when when you were going to Castle Grayskull, you know, when we had the full fucking we had the full stand and stuff like that. Um, mainly all the old firm games, um, like the five nil fucking victories and stuff like that. Just just like the real big victories, but I've been there when we've lost too. But like, um, Seville was amazing. Being in Seville, home and away, like for every um, game, um, to actually be in Anfield when John Harrison scored that fucking belter in the UEFA Cup, um, fucking amazing. <laughs> the the cop the cop in just went. <laughs> Down into their seats, just sit down. That's pretty much what I was like. <laughs> Took the air out of the building. It was great. Uh, and uh, yeah, just um, uh, Henrik Larson's uh, testimonial, really emotional um, to see the big man crane and everything like that. Um, yeah, there's been so many good memories. I've seen. Seen Celtic playing all over the United States because I immigrated here in uh, 06 and actually seeing them on a US tour and following them all around the US was memorial. Like it was like the memories of that, like and meeting people. Um, but yeah, the 6 2 massacre is just, it's just the belter, man. It's just, I can, I can play that fucker on the TV every day. Just, yay, fucking beat him again. <laughs> Great, mate. There's like three or four games off the top of your head that you could just go, yeah, I could play that on loop those four games the rest of my life and wouldn't get bored with it. So you got like the 6-2 game, I think the Nakamura-Man United game. Oh, and, yeah. Without uh, a doubt. Oh, oh, yeah. As an Australian, Tom Rogic against the Sheep to, conv- to get the Invincible treble. Yep. And then there's probably there's, well, the game, fuck, what was it? I've gone blank. I've lost the other one I was going to say, but yeah, there's those three at least. That for me, I could just play them the rest of my life. I wouldn't get bored. What about what about the four-three victory against Juventus in the Champions League? What about fucking and that? There's another one I forgot. Tony Watt being in Parkhead the night Barca. that we beat That's fucking Barcelona. Yeah. Fucking Barcelona. There it was. I, I was like, it was in my head. I was like. Yeah, I remember that shit. It was fucking good. Taste some bucket. Yeah. That was what I just dropped out of my head. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Absolutely fucking amazing. Um, we've had we've had some just like amazing results over the years. And the the amazing thing about being a Celtic fan is we're not sore losers. We're not going to go wreck your town if we lose. Win, lose, or draw. We love something. We don't give a fuck. We get pissed. We sing fucking fucking rebel tunes until the cows come up. And that's smash it. up your toilets on the way out. Yeah, why the fuck do we need to smash up your fucking toilets? What what the fuck? Why? Because you're already shit. So yeah, fucking you need new toilets. I don't fucking care. No, it, it, there's 
there's just a difference between Celtic and all the clubs. It's like I have a lot of um, the actual ultras um, that are connected with the Green Brigade and support what the Green Brigade do, and they're you know they're comrades with the likes of St. Pauli, um, the likes of Toulon, uh, the likes of Paris Saint Germain. Um, even Raja Casablanca's ultras follows me on Instagram, um, all the way in Morocco. Um, the camaraderie that comes around our club is amazing. Like, no matter where you are in the world, if someone sees you wearing a Celtic shirt, they go, Hey, how's it going? Hell, hell. Like, it doesn't matter. A very distinctive Anywhere shirt, club, and everyone knows it. Yeah, exactly. And it's not a Shamrock's fucking Rovers jersey. <laughs> it's not a sporting Lisbon one either. <laughs> I've been asked that once and I've gone, mate, have a fucking look. Do you see anything that stands out? And I go, oh, fuck, okay. <laughs> What's your most memo- like memorable time supporting Celtic growing up? It was really weird for us over here growing up because of the lack of internet and uh, Celtic TV and then pay TV for ages. So for me growing up, it was like, I started going into pubs when I was about 14 to go into one of the supporters clubs and that every month they'd get a bunch of VHSs sent over the tapes over to watch the game and you'd sit and there watch two, three, four games at a time and then be like, all right, back in a couple of weeks, watch some more. But my most memorable thing actually doesn't involve watching a game. It's the first time I got busted wagging school in my life. <laughs> so could sign Mark Paducah. He went to the club, did his medical and everything, and then pissed off back to Australia. And when he was announced that he was coming back, work permit and everything, he came into the Celtic club and they had an interview with him for the uh, local news over here in Melbourne. Sure enough, yeah. in, in the background, behind him, on the news that my parents saw that night, there was me in my school uniform in there just to meet the guy. <laughs> so um, it, was a, it, was a, it was about as subtle as a sledgehammer to the head, I reckon. I got, <laughs> Yeah, it was, uh, that was always a good one. Um, yeah, but then there was just games growing up. Like, yeah, the Nakamura one, it's it's tough because there's a lot of good games, but it's just, sometimes it's just the vibe. Like, you could have 40 people in the pub and it's just dead, but then you can have 20 people in there and something happens and everyone's buzzing, everyone's singing, everyone's jumping on each other, chairs are getting flipped, tables are upside down, everyone's just goes ballistic. So it, it's a tough one, like... The game where we were, where, was it where we were struggling and we'll come back from, what was it, 3-0 down or something like that against Killy back in the day? Oh, yeah. Like, that that one in a pub, I'm telling you, that wasn't a, that wasn't a, an overly great result. That was an ugly fucking game in the first, before we started the comeback. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. But that's the sort of thing I'm saying here. Like, it depends on what you had. There was about 12 of us in the pub watching that game. And... 12, maybe 15 max if I'm... And just sitting there and then one goal, another, another. And then we get it even and just like, holy fuck. It was just like a feel, the goosebumps everywhere on the arm. Just talking about it now getting goosebumps just because the feeling, the vibe, the music. And yeah, exactly. Everything. I'm getting just, the same, same thing over here. It's yeah. just like the way you say it, you know. It's like it's like when I go travel up to LA, I hang out with the LA CSC and the atmosphere, the camaraderie, like, yeah. everything like that morning is just like you're just like oh you know an old fucking well i don't call it but you can call it old firm for your viewers but i call it new firm for fucking sesco 
But, that's um, Derby, that's all I call it. Except yeah, whatever. whatever the died, fuck you old firm died. Yeah, but it's the it's the buzz of getting on the train, like from San Diego, getting pitched on the train, and then meeting up with the boys up there, and then hanging out in fucking Los Angeles, staying on the piss, and then fucking meeting everyone in the morning. And the LACSC on Treble Treble uh, last year gave me a nickname, El Capo. Standing up on tables, fucking getting shots going. <laughs> well, we had it with um last year. You know the game at Ibrox where we were down and then we come back. Yeah. Like we're at the pub and like it was they'd scored and everyone's like oh, grumbling and just cracking the shits and stuff. And then we scored and chair went flying, missed the TV that we were watching the game on by about an inch through the wall, bumped into the other wall. About forty people just having a stacks on in the middle of the pub, like. That sort of stuff he's looking at. Wow. The chair missed me by about three inches, I reckon, from hitting me in the head. So it was like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah. So we're hitting and watch the stacks on, and at the end of it, just point out to the guys who run the club so they can get the wall fixed. But then earlier in the season, like for the first the first game when we went and played um, over at Castle Grayskull at the Crumble Day, yeah. we... Um, <laughs> All those boys from Celtic down under, the four of us. We um, I flew up from Melbourne up to Brisbane. Danny flew up from Sydney up to Brisbane. And then we got the two local boys up there. So me and Danny had a massive bend of the night before the game because we were in the state and the other boys were doing stuff with their families. And then we all meet up at the pub with the Brisbane CSC. And there was a couple of guys who from the Green Brigade were over. And it was funny because like you walk into it and they just put an iPod in for some music and then all of a sudden we just start singing then the Green Brigade guys join in and everybody so a big sing song happens before the game to then get that result it was just fucking electric in there people were bouncing chairs were moving glasses are on tables tables moving that much they'll smash it on the floor it was just a full-on like mess of a night but we won that's the main thing that that that's always the main thing like when like I don't care who the fuck you are and how brave you are, how muscly you are, how fit you are, whatever the fuck you are. But every time that we play the Huns, you don't sleep the night before that fucking game. No one can get any sleep. And I, I'm sure you're the same way. You can't fucking sleep where the fuck. Yeah, I was fuck all that night before, yeah. And then you go to the yeah. game and then we had like, few people almost punching on in there because it was getting that rolled up and everyone was like G'd up for the game. And then there was some bloke, one of the guys in the Green Brigade is like six foot eight and he's turned around and elbowed me one in the head. So I've turned around and said, oi, stop. And he's got me face. But then we score, Johnny Hayes scores the second one and suddenly he's giving me a hug and lifting me up in the air and shit like that. And we're like, so we're all family. We argue, we get on with it. It's all good. That That's the beauty of like something like from... Being it, like, I was in Amsterdam when we had to fight with Ajax fans and we kicked the fuck out of them. Like, um, the camaraderie that, that Celtic has, no matter what, like, whether it's watching the game, whether it's family issues with anything, Celtic is always there for you. And it's like the, the saying, you never walk alone. It's so true. And, of course, we have the fucking... The blue noses down in Anfield that they say that they sang "You Never Walk Alone" first, forever. It doesn't matter. The best, the best sound and the best atmosphere in the whole entire fucking world. Everyone agrees is when Celtic fucking sing "You Never Walk Alone" at Parkhead. 
there isn't a fucking atmosphere that can touch you anywhere in the world. Agreed. It's 100%. Like, you don't get people like Messi and guys like that and Xavi and Nesta and all those sort of blokes coming out and saying that shit lightly. With the stadiums they've played in, the games they've played in, to say that the best atmosphere they've ever played in is Celtic Park. It says it all. Exactly. So I've got a question for you. If you could buy one fucking player, right? One player. Unlimited amount of money, but you can only buy one player for Celtic. Who would you buy? Based on our current squad or just in in, in general? Bit, bit, just based on the current squad, that it fit right in there now perfectly. The only player that I'd, I'd sign, it's going to sound strange because he's one of our old boys, but I'll bring Virgil back. And the only reason is because we're playing this 3-5-2 that we've got. We're centre-back short. He's probably the best centre-back in the world, and he understands the club. So he'd be the guy I'd want. 100% I'd be the same with you. But if we had to go if we had to go with a forward, who would you buy? A lot of people would say Ronaldo. I'd say no because he's all the look at me, oh. look at me. He doesn't blend into our club. That's not what I'd like. Fuck no, he'd be fucking, he'd have his fucking mirror fucking on fucking half the time. Green Brigade would be trying to chant to him and he'd be like fucking styling his hair. Yeah, exactly. So he's, I know a lot of people would say that because he, he scored goals everywhere, but if we had to sign a forward, shit. I would say Mbappe. Kylian Mbappe. That, you, that's who you'd have? Yeah, why not? I'd I'd love to just have Abraham a bitch up there, just fucking battering people, just fucking fucking super fucking karate fucking Muay Thai style fucking goals, kicks fucking coming in corners. Just give me one season, just have him there. Yeah. Because as we agreed, like when we talked before the podcast, that he Henrik is his like childhood hero. I'd love Ibra there. I fucking love him. I've got his book. I've got all sorts of shit. He's awesome. And fuck, man, if some if a guy's got that kind of nose and just doesn't give a fuck, goes out there and just, like, puts his head over the ball and gets kicked all the time, like, fuck, man, go for it. Bring him in. But He's an, he's an absolute machine. He's a beast. I would love to have him there. But, yeah, I was just thinking, the only reason I didn't say him because of what we said earlier is because I knew you'd say him, so I thought I'll go for someone else. <laughs> Like, we're going for someone else here so we're not, it doesn't seem like we're all just agreeing on shit all the time but Mbappe would fit in with the club in terms of okay he's young and you can sell him on he, yeah. play, he can play wide he can play central so there's the versatility we we need and he, he's French so he fits in with our French all our French speakers at the club so that was the reasoning behind that yeah and, and he's a world class player so he is and he's got a lot to offer so he does 100%. Yeah, What's he's... your current opinion with James Forrest? Do you think he should have to battle for his position? I think he... I said on our, on our latest pod that he's... I think the problem he has had this year is that he hasn't had a run of games with a consistent right back behind him and consistently playing in the same position, and he doesn't have that competition. Like when he had Paddy Roberts there, he had someone constantly pushing him. Before yeah, he that, kicked, it, kicked in the air constantly by Paddy. Exactly. So he had someone there to make him lift his game. But playing wide right to then have to go play 
they switch the wingers after 30 minutes every game, put him out left, to then put him in central, then play, he can play as a white, right wing back, then put him back there with the guys around him constantly changing. I think it would be hard for him to get the consistent run of games to perform at his best because if you're constantly changing things, he'd struggle. It's the same with Ayer. That's why I think he's struggling a little bit as well because constantly changing positions. Started as a right back, played some defensive mid, played at centre back. Now he's playing left side of a, th- of a three as a centre back. So it's like, where's the consistency there? I think that's a key thing with football in that you need consistent squad around you to perform at the best. 100%. Like, I totally agree. I, but I do think that the likes of Marion Chavez deserves a shot. Like, I don't know what's going on there. Like, Marion Chavez was bought, and he's basically been a bench warmer and not playing. And I'll talk about bio as well. Another waste of money. Like, like we're, we're literally fucking throwing money out the fucking window, and then we're bitching and griping about, like, signing a player well, you're spending all the fucking money on players that are not even gracing the pitch. Like, I don't understand it. You're, like, spot, on that... because, you're spot on because there's these constant two million pound signings, two to three million pound signings that are, are fucked. Like, you go back, you've got Skepkovic, Amido Balde, um, then you've got, as you said before, what, Pedro, what, what about, what, what about our legend Marvin, Marvin fucking Comper? Fucking. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, he got in shit because he was doing some stuff in Dubai, but that's a whole nother, whole nother podcast. <laughs> well, I can make a phone call to Dubai because I know the boys down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, like for me, I think, yeah, you're right. You know, all these little two million here. I think Shred and Bayo, they need to run in games. I would have loved to have seen if we had someone like Roberts there, then we could have put Shred out on loan. Or we could have put Bayo. If Cosgrove had got sold by Aberdeen, I would have sent him up to play under Derek McInnes for six months to at least get used to league so we can see what we've actually got there. Yeah, 100%. But looking at it, like, you spend four and a half, five million quid on Ncham. We're going to sell him for 15 million. You spend nine yep. million on Eddie. We'll get 35, 40 for him eventually. It's yep. the sort of thing where rather than spending two million on three different players, if we had to spend six million, okay, so you get Bayo's two million, Shred's two million, and Clemella, we don't know what we got there, but I think he could be okay. That's three and a half million. So that's seven and a half million spent there. Yet we're um and ah and about signing that this um other striker that they wanted six million pounds for. The one from Bratislava. Uh, oh the uh fucking Sporner. Sporner. Yeah, that's the one like Sporner. That, yeah. yeah. So if yeah. we had a, if we had a, instead of bought all these three different smaller players and spent the money on him he goes a couple of years as usual you hit him a four year deal he's still got two years left on him in two years time you sell him you're going to make more money on him and then you go again it's like the Red Bull Salzburg or the Ajax model they'll sell a, they'll get a player for 5 million they'll sell yep. him they'll sell him for 15 then they'll buy a one 8 million pound player then they'll pocket 5 million and they'll split the rest on a couple other smaller players to turn it over. That's what we've got to get to, but that's why we need to have a director of football, not just a manager and a head of scouting. But the thing the thing with the likes of that I don't agree with uh, a fucking energy drinks company owning a fucking club, and the Green Brigade showed it when we played them, that there shouldn't be this bullshit in modern football. 
that an energy drinks company can own a fucking team and stuff like that. But getting back to the point that we're making about players, I'm getting sick of Celtic like spending money on players that are just fucking warming the bench or playing down in the reserves when we put fucking money in for these players. And you know when you watch your YouTube preview clips and they all look like fucking Ronaldo and fucking Hadji and fucking the God's gift of fucking football, and then they come on and play a game. Bio, like, they need to, to get their fucking money back on him. Because that boom, 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 fucking Bio, go, see ya. Timothy, Timo Weo was a better player than fucking Bio. Yep. The thing with Bio is he's a, he's just, it's just strange. Like, you watch him play, and he's ugly on the eye. I called him on one of our previous podcasts. <laughs> I, what, I are said, you trying to check him out or something? What the fuck? <laughs> no, no, no. Like I'm saying, the way he moves, it's that it's like, this is what I said on the previous pod, it's like when you watch a baby giraffe stand up for the first time, the legs go everywhere and the body's wobbling. That's him when he cha- changes direction and tries to run. He's like, ugh, like he's all over the place. It's like the ground's made of jelly and he's fucking wobbling everywhere. He's got no idea. And then... Suddenly you get him in the six-yard box and suddenly he's there and he's able to do something. But everything <laughs> before that six-yard box, he looks like a baby giraffe or someone running around on, on the ground of jelly. It's just fucking weird to look at. I thought you were talking about his looks in general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too, totally. I'll give him a cuddle though if I see him just to make up for this comment. You need to give him a fucking cuddle. He needs to be scoring goals for fuck's sake instead of fixing his fucking dreadlocks or whatever the fuck he does. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's yeah. there's just been some fucking serious humdingers that have came through. Like, yeah. you can talk about Comper. I'm sure you, the list goes on. We've we've wasted a lot of money. And I know Bucknuts Lawwell wants to bitch and moan about everything and give shit to the Green Brigade about fucking letting off some pyro and everything. That So there's my next question. What's your opinion on the Green Brigade as an avid supporter of the Green Brigade and an ultra and a casual? What's your opinion on the Green Brigade? I like what they do in terms of the atmosphere they bring, the the charity work they do. I have no problem with any of it. The only thing is with the pyro. I don't have a problem with pyro in general. I like the safe smoke that they're doing in the MLS and they're trialling over here in the A-League and a few other places. In Germany, they've got a safe smoke thing. If there was a section to do that, I'm all for it. But having been at a football game over here and had a, a flare let off and burned through the person next to me's seat and their, and their handbag on the ground, I've seen the damage that can do. I understand yeah. that that's unlucky. So for me, I'm like, I like Pyro. It looks good, but... If it was safe pyro or safe smoke, I'm all for it. If it's just dickheads bringing pyro in in their mate's bra or whatever, bring it out and then just rip pyro just for the sake of it. For just an average one all goal scorer is not even a winner and a pyro is off. I'm like, that's not worth the fine for the club and the trouble that's going to come with it. That's my take on it. Yeah. The, the thing for me with, with pyro, the majority of, like, with ultras, it's it's in a set basis of who who carries pyro. It's like it's regimental. It's not just given to any gobshite. Like here, here you go, have a pyro stick. It's your first week in the group. Yeah, go on, just light the fucker. You know, shove it up your hole if you want. It's not like that. It's it's regimented, and 
stuff like that. I just honestly think when you look at the likes of Brozier Dortmund and you look at clubs like Raja Casablanca, you look at Bromby, you look at Copenhagen, you look at some of these clubs in Europe that um, that do pyro shows and they've, their club agrees with it and they're allowed and it's safely done and there's buckets and everything like that to put down the pyro, it's fine. But the thing I see with Lawwell is Lawwell is anti-Green Brigade. Like, if you go back to the statement, he's talking about fucking people having drink problems, drug problems. That's none of your fucking business if people want to drink and fucking smoke a joint or fucking do some Charlie. That's none of your fucking business. But you see, I, the way I look at it with Lowell and why I'm anti-Lowell, Lowell is trying to make us into a prong on a cocktail kind of club, you know, that brings in the hipster kind of crowd. Where I don't, I don't want fucking hipsters at a fucking at Parkhead. I want to fucking have a green wall down in the old jungle fucking, and that like completely just all fucking stand it and light that fucker up. Well, with what you're saying about law, like, I find it funny. It's like, as you said about that, with the statement, at the end of the day, that he's so happy to have his PR department use pictures of the TIFOs and all the stuff the Green Brigade does and claim that the club had something to do with the food bank drives and all this stuff that the Green Brigade does. Yeah. So he's happy to claim and go, yeah, that's us. Good on us. Go ask. Give himself a pat on the back. But then... So it does that with one hand, but with the other hand, he's got the fucking baseball bat and he's just smacking guys, trying to kneecap people to kick him out of the ground. It's fucking stupid. It's like, it, you, you've got to have that balance. You can't be one or the other, mate. It, it, that's, that's the thing. When you look at it, and like the Green Brigade does everything. The, the game, when we, lost, when we won the treble treble, the Green Brigade raised all the money for the Memorial TIFO for, for Caesar, rest his soul. Yeah. They raised all that money. The club did not put any money into any of those TFOs, any of those flags, any of anything that was done. And the Green Brigade have raised all their money by fan donations and supporters' donations. The, the club has never put money into any TFOs for the Green Brigade. And the club has made money from the Green Brigade. Um, from all the pictures from the 50th year anniversary, this goes on. You just said it. The Barcelona TIFO alone, they were selling actual prints and stuff, like, like one of a thousand prints and stuff on the online store on the Celtics shop. And I'm like, Celtics Superstore. And I'm like, they're making money off that, but they don't contribute to it. Back to the pyro thing for a second. You're talking about clubs and working with their ultras to put on these big like, pyro shows and stuff. My wife's family is Serbian. Have a look at Red Star, what they do. They yeah, have stand with their pyro shows that they do all the time. Yeah. The only people us, in them stands when that happens is the ultras who know what they're doing, have their hierarchy, and you hold the pyro, you do this, you bang the drum, you stand up here with the fire extinguisher in case it's needed, and they have that all set up, and it looks amazing. It looks like the whole stadium is just a big ring of fire. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that's a difference because that's controlled because of the way where they do it in the stadium and how it's done. I just that just popped into my head, so I'm like, I just want to go back to it. So there's a way it can be done and get you the whole ring of green, like you were saying, a wall, yeah. green wall or whatever. 
it's done down there with Red, with Red Star Belgrade. They do it all the time. Yep. It's a matter of the people in the club, what they want, and allowing it to happen. Well, the thing that goes it goes back to Jared is like you're 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 a member of my uh, group on Facebook, and before I started that group, I was part of uh, a group that was called excuse me the Green Brigade, right? Yep. It, it was not endorsed by the Green Brigade or anything like that. It was just as my page is, it's a supporter of the Green Brigade, except mine's just a bit more amped up and probably like on an eight ball of fucking cocaine kind of amped up. Fucking... Say, yours is like <laughs> taking a bunch of speed, coke, you know, <laughs> got some ice ready to use, all that sort of shit, and it's just on a whole nother fucking level. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. But I had loads of old Celtic fans saying that all these people need to knock it on the fucking head of singing Irish rebel songs. It's not just pyro. It's our history um, that the SMP fucking want to stop and the FAC and obviously the ball bag fucking police, as usual, Stratclyde's finest piggies. Fucking, they always are trying to steal TIFOs from the Green Brigade. They're always trying to hassle the Green Brigade. But, and we get the UEFA fines, the Green Brigade. How the fuck did the Huns not get UEFA fines when they lit fucking this, the stand in Feyenoord? Our comrades over in Rotterdam, how did they not get a fine for the Jason Vorey fucking Friday the 13th fucking TIFO that they did? Yeah, it's just double standards, and that's the thing. We just want consistency at the end of the day. Like, if they're going to do it, and everyone knows what the rules are, and the goalposts aren't going to move, great. But as you said about the police hassling them and about the songbook, well, you just turn on any any Huns game and within about four minutes of it, you'll hear a song about Feeney and Blood or Billy Boys or some random part of the song being played and you just be like, fucking hell. Or you look in the news and there's another Orange March and you're like, they get to do that, they don't get harassed by the police. But, you know, if a guy sits in his car out the front of, one of, the, one of the Mason Lodges, when these walks are happening, playing these rebel tunes, he gets fined for it and arrested. <laughs> that, you've seen that famous video. That's actually a friend of mine's uh, cousin yeah. that recorded that video. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking, I don't know. We talk about it all the time. The Scottish mainstream media have a lot to do with it. The um, And there's a whole bunch of shit going on over there. So I'm glad I'm this far removed over here and I don't understand the actual ins and outs of exactly how bad it is, but it's still, you look at it from over here with objective eyes and just go, fuck, man, look how out of control this is. Well, it, it is. Like, it's, it is different standards that the policing and everything like that. And I don't know, like, if you've ever been to an old firm, um, but, like, when it was an old firm and, you know... They had their allocation and we had ours and whatever thing. It was a fucking war zone, man. It was a straight up fucking war zone. <laughs> and, and I want the war zone to come back. I think the Huns should be let, let them back in. Let them sit back in and give them their allocation and let us back in and let us fucking do beach ball fucking Sunday. <laughs> uh, best banner was when the coffin was passed. Oh, Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's the, the, thing, the thing is, I just don't see, uh, like, as much money as 
they basically complain that the Green Brigade has cost the club. And you, I'm sure you've heard it from every fan. Like, oh, shut the fuck up. Why are you supporting them ball bags? Uh, because they raise money for homeless. They go out and collect food. They they do so much shit for charity. They they do stuff. They, like, they have uh, an anti-discrimination, like, tournament, like, where they play football. Like, the amount of things that the Green Brigade does that they don't get recognition for is unreal. But when they do something like, oh, let us in pyro and told the fucking bunch of Nazis to fuck off. Oh, you can't do that. You can't be telling Nazis to fuck off. You're not allowed to do that. Why would you do that? You can't do that. Now we're fining you. Oh, and you let some, you let Pyro over uh, in Lazio as well. Oh yeah, we're fining you for that too. It just does my fucking nothing. I'm, I'm totally anti-UEFA. I can't fucking stand them. Unfortunately, we're kind of stuck with that though, which is what I find annoying. But what can we do about it? Nothing really. We gotta just. You can. Yeah. It's just. It's basically like a fucking like yeah. You know, you just swipe your card and get charged your fine, basically. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what I mean by what can we do about it? Nothing. We just gotta cop it and get on with it. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. You want to search me, officer? Okay, hang on one second. <laughs> do I have four yeah. pyros on me, or do I have eight? Oh yeah, I've got twelve got 12 so can you swipe me for 12 pyros on that fight like look at the things that the green brigade have done like when and the harbour survey like when we played the israeli site and we we did a support palestinian like and we got fined for that right and then the amount of money that we actually raised like nearly one hundred and eighty thousand, like dollars for that fine and given it, it was given to charities, but did UEFA care? Fuck, no, they didn't. Yeah, I know. It's um, as we said, it's a double standard. It's stupid, but it is what it is, I suppose. So it is. Yeah, I was gonna say. So we'll just uh, changing the topic just a little bit, lighten up a bit. Yeah. Nate, your top three all time. We'll go through some positions for Celtic. For different players. All three top time goalkeepers. Um Rob Douglas. Uh uh Rob Douglas, Arthur Borridge, and ah, what's his first name? Simpson. Simpson, come on. Uh you know who I'm who I'm talking about. I can't play. Yeah. I know Simpson, yeah. I just can't remember his name, yeah. For me, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go it off guys I've seen play, whether it's on tape or whatever. So for me, I would have said Rab Douglas, Arthur Borridge, Fraser Forster. I'll put Fraser past Arthur now. Oh wow. Oh but, but Rab's Rab's still my all time favourite. If he hears this, Rab, you're still my favourite. Yeah, absolute beast in, in between the sticks, Rab was. Absolute beast. Alright, we'll just go in general. All-time favourite defenders. We won't go left-back, right-back, centre-back unless you want to. Uh, Bobo Baldi. Uh, Jan Malby. Uh, Tommy Boyd. Uh, Bobby Petter. Mm, yeah. Go one, go one more. We'll go for five each. Here you go, if we're going to combine them like that. <laughs> I would have said my all-time five would have been, yeah, um, Johan, Bobo, 
I actually rated Jackie McNamara. Oh, yeah, Jackie McNamara class too, yeah. Um, and then I would have said, because I've seen him on, on footage, Caesar. Yeah. I've seen a bunch of games he's played. And then Virgil. Yeah, Virgil and Caesar, like, am- amazing. And Billy, on, Billy McNeil was an absolute gentleman, just like Tommy Burns, an absolute gentleman. Yeah, so sadly on. lost to the Celtic community. Yep. Top five in any order, midfielders. Paul McStay. Yes. The <laughs> <laughs> maestro. My uh, all-time favourite. If I met him, even to this day, I would fanboy something shocking. I've met I've met him twice when I was young. I I can, I can still remember every time you, that I hear Paul McStay. I just remember you know when I when when I wasn't at a game right sitting with a with a with a coke can of coke and a bag of potato in Ireland in the cold like uh, evening in Galway and Archie Sports coming on and you see Paul McStay coming out. In the in the Umbro fucking jersey, the nineteen eighty eight. The big huge Umbro one that's like five sizes too big for him, yep. <laughs> yeah, just just amazing. Yeah, Paul McStay for sure. And uh Danny McGray. Yeah. Definitely. Big Danny boy. Yep. I have uh, both of those in mind as well. <laughs> see? See we got great taste. <laughs> Uh, while, while you're thinking, then I'll throw in one of mine. If you, I'll do mine if you want. Yeah. I have the only player I've ever bought a shirt of and put their name and number on the back of. So Bruni is in there for me. Oh yeah. What else to Um. Then. Who else did I have? Stan Petrov. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And Nakamura. Hundred percent. I think you're reading my. I think you're reading. I think you're reading. Oh, Lubo has to be in there. I think you're reading my fucking mind. That's what I think. (laughs) All right, forwards, top five. Um, Henrik Larsson, obviously. Yep. Um, Chris Sutton. Uh, John Hartson. Um, uh, Jenky Johnson obviously definitely is in there. We're at one hundred percent. Um, uh, yeah, that was five, wasn't it? Yeah, Jenky, Sutton, five, Jinky, and no, one more. You had four. Oh, I got one more. Uh fuck. He was he was just on the top of the head. Oh, you bullet. Uh. Pierre Van Heiden. Nice. Got King of Kings. Yeah. So we got Larson in there. Story on Chris Sutton. My friends I grew up with as a kid, his family, massive Chelsea fans, right? Sutton was at Chelsea. This guy bought me, when he went over to England, he bought me one of those fake tops, Chelsea top to wear, the old auto glass one and everything to go <laughs> and watch games with him at his house, right? Yeah. And he knew Sutton was my favourite. A week after giving me that top, and he also got me a fake Celtic one then as well, Larson changed over to us, transferred to us, and I was like, yes, <laughs> I can get that up here. <laughs> so, Sutton, so, yeah, Sutton's in there. Um, 
Jinky, definitely. Bit of a strange one. Where would you put Dalglish? Would you put him as a forward or a midfielder? Midfield. He was. He was. He was yeah. pretty fucking dynamo in fucking midfield. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm thinking. Do you put him as like a ten, so that counts as a forward, or do you put him as a midfield? So I'll leave him out then. Um, fuck. What else have we got? I will chuck in. Yeah, probably Hartson. I love what he did as well. And then I I'll did. put. And then, just for fun, because I think he's the best we've seen since last, and I'm going to put Edward in there at the moment just to keep it relevant. Ah, yeah, I totally agree. Edward is just fucking amazing. Just like in the last uh, year and a half, that he has turned into just an unreal player. Unreal. Now, said on our latest podcast, the one during the week, that Dembele was better than him because of the physical he's an athlete he'd use his body all this sort of stuff but to me looking at it now I'm going the last 18 months Eddie has developed the link up play when to use his body to hold off guys and all that sort of stuff which is now allowing his technique and his and basically his talent to come through even better so yeah he's just an unbelievable player we're lucky to have him oh 100% people are foaming at the mouth to try and by Eddie, so they are. And I think we need to lock him in. Like, I got, I'll got, i even ask you, I think we, we need to give him money and get him on a contract. Man. We need to lock it in. Both him and Aya, I think, are the ones that are probably two of our most sellable assets along with Encham. If, if we sold Encham, if we've got to sell a player every off-season for £10-plus million, pound, which is the model, I wouldn't even blink if Encham was sold because we've got guys like Christy and Rogic who can play in the 10 role and we've got guys who can play in the 6 and 8 role so we wouldn't really miss him too much but yeah. if we took Eddie out of our team if we took Ayer out of our team we would we'd struggle to get like for likes in terms of talent so I'd like both of them locked up long term give them an extension at least another 2-3 years but once the 10's complete I actually reckon that Neither of those two are angling for a move this off-season because they look at it and go, they've seen what's happened at Dembele, the rat, and with Tierney leaving. And if you left the yeah. year before 10, if nine's in the bag and you're going for 10 and you left, oh yeah, have, you've tarnished your legacy with the support. But if you stay that extra year, because they're both young enough, like particularly Ayer and Eddie, stay an extra year, get the 10, you'll be a lifetime legend. If you want to move on after the 10 is done, no big deal. Like, the fans are still going to love you for what you've done. And they'll wish you well. So, I don't know. It's going to be a tough one. But then if we keep them for that year and don't extend them, then there's only one year left on their deal, so we'll get fuck all money. So, you've got to extend them. Oh, 100%. Like, I totally agree with you. Like, like what, as we talked about, I just heard you talk about the rat. So, we might as well bring that fucker up for a minute. Um <laughs> Because I'd like to have a good fucking dig at him. Any man that leaves a legacy where he could have gone treble, treble in the middle of the night and leaves a faithful that loves and adores him and his family and worship the ground he works in is a dirty, smelly, stinky rat. And I'm glad that fucking Villa fucking put Lester out of the cup too. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah, I'm just... It's going to take a lot for 
him to ever get back in my good graces. Even today, I see him on the TV in an interview, and I'm just like, you rat bastard. Like, as you said, if he just left himself and went, fine. But the fact that he then took all the coaching staff with him, except yeah. for Kennedy and Stevie Woods, they were pretty much the only two left over. He took everyone else. And I'm like, if you left them, but to take all the support staff, everyone with you, and just up and leave in the middle of the night, that's just, when we're that close to a treble, treble, and we're going for the eight last season, it's like, mate, it's just fucked. Like, Lenny isn't my cup of tea in general, right? Like, I love the man for what he's gone through and what he's done for the club. I love it. Like, love what he did first time around. He wasn't yeah. my preferred choice, but he's in the door. He's doing the job, so I'm supporting him 100%. But we were lucky that someone who knew the club and had that history with the club was available at the time the rat just walked out the door. 100%, because we'd have been properly fucked, and that's not maybe. <laughs> if there wasn't a Celtic man there, we were fucked. If you brought someone in just random out of the blue who had no connection with the club, no idea about the league. Yeah, we did, every, everything would have gone to fucking hell in a fucking handbasket. So it would, 100%. Yeah. We would have shut the bed big time, so no idea. <laughs> like a train spot. Fucking. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there it is. Somebody got it. I've said that a few times in the past. And, pe- and like, I've said to my missus one time about shitting, shut the bed, and she's like, huh, what? Boom, love it. You fucking know when I shake the bed. <laughs> yeah. the, the thing that that with Lenny and I like I I love Lenny and everything. I love what he does, but there's there is sometimes when I'm like, Oh Lenny, what are you doing, mate? Like why isn't Polish Paddy? Why aren't you? Why isn't he getting game time? Come on now. Let Polish Paddy out. I'm loving and we haven't talked about it. I can't believe you haven't talked about it, Jerry. The amazing comeback of Super Lee Griffin. I I did the old waxing lyrical about him during the week when our other pod, but yeah, he's um I'm loving the fact he's just he's just a bit of a prick about him. I love it. He gets out there, he'll score, he'll be like, Yeah, fingers and ears like up yours, get it up here, you fuckers, <laughs> sort of thing. I I love it. And I'm loving the link up play between him and Eddie. They're playing really well, so it's um yeah, it's just great to see. But it'd be nice. It'd be nice to get Polish Paddy out there and see what we paid for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I'm hoping, you know, with the uh, cup games coming up and stuff like that, we can start to rotate. Like we've got cup games, European games, league games coming thick and fast. I'm hoping Lenny starts to rotate him in a bit and give Eddie a breather here, Griff a breather there, and just make it happen. Keep him in in the mix and get him get him some games. So yeah, I want to see more than. 10 minutes or whatever for him or that, like that sort of thing. I was thinking a while back when we are up 3-0 against Killy, should have brought him on for the last half hour. Yeah. Exactly. Game, did anybody comes on for, what, like eight minutes? Or did he even come on that game? I can't remember, but it's... He, he got like fucking like a sniff, maybe six minutes, some shit like that. Just garbage. Six minutes plus stoppage time, yeah. So it's like, what's the point? He gets his... Okay, he'd be happy because he's getting his up. You know, he gets on the field, so he gets his bonus. But still, how's he going to show what he's capable of? Well, yeah, and, and the fact that, um, like, he came in and he made a statement and he said that he's not a player that sits on the bench. <laughs> and now he's looking comfy sitting on the bench. 
Exactly. <laughs> Sitting on his arse. Just, yeah, yeah, let me get some of uh, Lee Griffin's tea cakes. He should have a box down there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's a good laugh. It's funny how it's all playing out. But, yeah, it's, um, it's a lot to look forward to the rest of the season. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it. But, yeah, we'll just give this podcast a bit of a call it a day on this pod right now. But, yeah, we'll get you on for another chat later in the season if you can. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, it was an absolute pleasure and an honour. No worries. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Everyone, give Celtic First Celtic a a follow on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the socials. Get around them, guys.